Hi, and welcome to the second episode of Digital Defenders, a podcast and video series that we are doing here at Techvisor. My name's Henry. I'm here with Dom and Jim as well. Hi. Thanks for Hi. coming again, guys. Uh, so today we are going to be discussing how to stay in control of your online data, what that looks like from best practices to certain bits of software that can use. Um, I like to think of us as the digital defenders, but really <laughs> it is the services we're talking about. So um, to start it off, uh, we all sign up to things online. You have to use an email address and a password. That's your normal setup. Um, so we thought we would uh, start by taking a look at the best practices uh, for doing those things, because we all have social logins and things like that uh, for those websites. But uh, Jim, if we start off with like um, scam emails, it's a quite a big topic, and we're not all going to answer um, to our long-lost relatives on emails. Sometimes it's obvious when something's a scam, if it's badly worded, if it comes from an email address with loads of numbers and you don't, un don't know who the person is. But there are certain emails from companies pretending to be, say, Apple, saying, oh, you need to send us your Apple password because you've been locked out of your account. They're quite frequent, aren't they? They are. They are. And they're getting better, actually. They're getting more convincing because you'll probably find in your inbox that if you use Gmail, it will luckily filter out a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So you will never see it, which is great. So, you know, that's one of the reasons why I, I prefer to use Gmail because it does filter out a lot of that stuff. But what worries me is that a lot of people are vulnerable and they wouldn't necessarily uh, spot a scam email. So it's worth bearing in mind that I think you mentioned it already, but don't ever give out your your details any sensitive details no one will cold call you from any of those companies no. yep. or cold email you suggesting that they you need to hand over your password or your email address or any other details certainly no financial details it's very easy to um be convinced that yep. that it is real the other thing i think to look out for with that is you may think uh it's one thing to think don't email and send over your password or whatever but you also need to check if there's sort of a link that you click on they might build a sort of spoof website that looks an awful lot like an Apple login page or something. So you just really, didn't, even if you click through and it looks like you're on the Apple website, double check the URL, totally. absolutely make sure it's the URL you know, that it's got uh, HTTPS at the front of it, uh, that there's no extra bits before the .com because that will be a sign that actually it's not on the Apple domain. They've just put apple.something.com. It's uh, a really good point because if, if you're ever in doubt, then just type the type the web address yep. yourself. Just type it into the browser. Um, if you have to Google it, then Google it. But again, use your your yep. points to say, make sure that it is the correct website and that it is genuine. And also, yeah, um, these emails are obviously playing playing and preying on people's uh, worry that there is actually a security compromise. So it's kind of <laughs> a bit of, a bit ironic that they are in themselves <laughs> security compromises. Because if you get an Apple, right. if, if you only use Apple products and you get an email saying, um, yeah, your security is at risk your brain is immediately, well, I don't want to ignore it if it is from Apple. But yep. as a blanket thing, those companies will never email you asking for your personal details or PIN numbers or email addresses. Always be suspicious as well if they say that your oh, account yeah. has been terminated or that <laughs> yep. you're, you're going to lose access to exactly. your account for whatever reason. Unless you pay. That, that doesn't yeah. happen. That doesn't happen. The only thing that you might get emailed about is that your storage is full and you need to upgrade it. Um, but, but they'll uh, never ask you for a password they, for they're that. Not going to ask, they're not going to ask for your login details in order to do that. They might be asking for money. Um, and in, in that case, that is legitimate. But you would then pay through again logging in properly through the official yep. website then you can hand over your cash but be be very wary of everything basically definitely just and think about it and that's a good place to start the internet is a big scary place um and on that point uh so usually those uh, companies the bigger names like google and apple and facebook they will be the companies that people um tend to impersonate to target people right and banks as well oh exactly yeah yeah <laughs> it's a minefield isn't it so never give away your bank details um 
the second thing I wanted to discuss was in relation to perhaps uh, more in relation to services we sign up for that aren't the major companies where you need to say, go online uh, to maybe a small shop and you want to buy a hat like I did the other day, actually. Uh, and I had to put in my details. And you can't log in uh, in any other way. You have to give your email address. You have to create a yep. password to use as an account for them. And that is so that they can store on their servers uh, your, well, basically your postal address and your uh, card details uh, if you want to. There are certain things you don't have to give away, though, right? Yeah. I mean, just there's sort of the base information they're always going to need is generally going to be something like uh, your email address, your name, and then, uh, obviously, if you're paying for something, they need your financial information. But keep an eye out in all the times you're filling in a form where you're giving in lots of information. There might be loads of boxes asking for information about you. Check for the asterisk. Check for which ones are compulsory. Why bother filling in the ones that they don't require you to fill in? If they need an email to make an account, give them an email. But if they also want to have your postal address, but they don't need your postal address, if you can make an account without giving them that, then make an account without giving them that. Why give them that data, that information, unless you really have to? And another good tip is to use a temporary email address um, or se or set up an email address which is specifically for shopping online. Yep. So yeah. rather than using your main email account, email accounts are free, of course, so you can set up as many as you like. Um, just have one specifically for online shopping. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just, you know, you can always... Uh, keep if, if you ever end up getting spammed from those companies just stop using that email address and sign up with a different email address yeah i mean the added perk of that is not only is that helping keep your data safe but it also means if they put you on loads of mailing lists they're going into the shopping email address you don't need to check yeah. so yeah. you can actually have all that uh, all the mailing lists and the spam filtered out of your main personal email account yeah it's a great way to go around it i have an old hotmail address that i use uh, for that very purpose and my newer i use gmail as well because it's got quite good filter systems anyway um and then on that on that point before we go on to talk a bit more about uh, the kind of things that people can do to avoid um, giving away data. Um, if you are suspicious of a service, just don't sign up to it in the first place. Yeah, A great thing to look at are um, Google reviews of websites. Yes. Um, if you go and if something seems like a great deal, I, w I actually did recently, I went to a retailer that I hadn't heard of because there was a coat I wanted and it was like half price and it just seemed really too good to be true. And on minimal digging, it was too good to be true. Uh, they had yeah. one-star reviews across the board, like the product didn't turn up, or it turned up damaged, or it was the wrong color. Yeah. All these different things. Um, so really, just be sensible that's as well. Just, right? That's just a good tip in general. If it sounds too good to be true, and you can't find anything kind of even nearly matching yeah. that deal, it's probably not genuine. This episode of Digital Defenders is brought to you by Surfshark, a VPN service that claims to eat other VPN deals alive. And who are we to argue with an offer price of just $1.99 per month? In the UK, that's just £1.59. It's important to consider using a VPN for all your online activity to stay private, keep data safe and encrypted, block unwanted tracking software and access geo-restricted content. Because you're watching or listening to this episode, you can take advantage of this special price that works across all your devices by clicking on the link in the description and signing up for Surfshark. It works out at just $0.07 cents a day. Okay, so we're a bit more aware now about what you should do and which services you should sign up for and some of the... Uh, methods you should use to do that so say for instance i wanted to buy something and i wanted to use a temporary email address to do that what are the other tips that you might have uh when i go about creating an account well obviously we're talking about managing your online data so just trying to keep your personal information safe so that companies don't get don't get it when they shouldn't have it and so one of the things that you can do we already talked about it is to set up different email addresses for different kind of online activities if you like yep. but it's really important to use different passwords as well because right. if if, uh, if that service if one of the services gets hacked 
then they they end up with your details for every service because if you use the same email address as a username and the same password then that will work on all the services and then potentially someone could log in and end up getting a lot of your different data they can put a complete picture together including your address your birth date relationship yep. status all that kind of stuff yeah um i was um it was a couple of years ago at work actually but um one of our colleagues had an ethical hacker come in which is a funny uh, title in itself but he is sort of an evangelist for want of a better word for uh, good data protection and he was showing me like if you were on an open wi-fi network and you weren't using a vpn and i logged into something and like you say uh, if it's not encrypted they can just read your login and your password and it's not even an automation he just then went to another website tried those details yeah just got got straight in yeah that's the (laughs) risk because i the same details for every site then anyone who manages to ca- capture those details because, yeah, you used an unsecure Wi-Fi then has potential yeah. access to lots of sites. And uh, sorry, this is a slight side point, but also something I wanted to point out that um, my mum once got m- mocked, probably by me uh, and the rest of the family, because she used to write her usernames and passwords in a, a notebook with a pencil. Right. Yeah. But that's that, pretty secure. That's actually. pretty secure. Yeah. It's more that secure is... than using the same password for everything. Yes, it's not yeah, very much that notebook that's in her room. So, um, yeah slightly arcane but it is also better than yeah using the same password there are i think we'll come to it a bit later but yeah, there yeah. are also ways of making that data secure oh for sure mm-hmm. um so we'll, we'll come on to that a bit later so keep watching so uh, something that people were probably seeing a lot more of nowadays um are signing in using uh, your social media information it's usually facebook or google yep um have you done it yeah i mean so we were talking about this before recording and uh Jim, I think, is going to tell us why you shouldn't do that. Uh, I can't wait to hear because I do that for everything. I uh, also use it a lot yeah. for Google, but I think that's more because of my um, sort of distaste in Facebook of late, and I sort of don't trust it post-Cambridge yes. Analytica. So why, why, what are one of the reasons that you might not want to do that? Uh, it's really convenient, of course, because when you come to sign up for one of those new services and you think, oh, I can't be bothered to have another login that I've got to remember or write down, yeah. and so you do it, but the there is a risk. There is, of course, risks doing that. Um, one of the risks is that both companies end up with your data. So um, let's say a smaller company wants to use Google's um, social login, sorry, or Facebook login. Yeah. Um, then they would end up collecting. You'll, you'll see this. So when you sign up, it will say Facebook uh, wants to... Like view your pro, your name and your address and your email address. Exactly. Yeah, like yeah. Contact list. So it like will that. say, yeah, they'll, they'll end up with your friends list, potentially other data as well. And then Facebook may get uh, some data from the other company as well as a sort of a, a kickback for using the, and those the social Those usually terms login. and conditions that are not sort of um, apparent to the user. And this is why it's always worth reading the privacy policy or reading those little you know, the small print when you sign up to those services. Yeah. Um, but of course, the biggest risk is that if Facebook or Google or any of those other big social sites are hacked, as yeah. happened with Facebook back in uh, September last year, something like 50 million account details got uh, got stolen, and that means that they can they've effectively got all your all your logins to those. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a long it's a long domino effect, isn't it? Because yeah. the whole Cambridge Analytica thing was that all the apps. We probably signed up on desktop years ago without looking at the terms and conditions because I wanted to know mm. like which um, Nintendo character I was like or something when <laughs> I was younger. And like all of those apps then had access to my friends list, and that is how it then disseminated like misinformation basically, which is slightly off the point, but shows how easily you can just be led down a paper trail that you don't even know about. Completely. I will say though there is a trade-off, which is that at least part of the reason I use the Google login uh, rather than just the pure convenience is there is a security benefit on the flip side which is that you're putting all of your data in google's hands which is not necessarily a good thing to do 
But if there's any company I think is probably going to do a good job of keeping its data secure, Google's probably it. That's one I'm not too worried about them yeah. getting hacked and compromised. Whereas this small app or website, I maybe want to sign up to buy something or use a service briefly. I don't know how good their data security is. I don't know yes. if I trust them with uh, my information. And sort of by using Google, I'm actually giving them less. I'm not sort of uh, feeding them all this info. It's still being protected by Google servers rather than by this random companies that I don't know how good a job they're going to do about it. So the trade-off is you get adverts in Gmail, but you're happy that your data is relatively safe. Yeah, I think it's sort of you're getting more security, but uh, only by giving it all to Google or Facebook. So it's sort of, you know, where you sit on that side you of the can't equation. have something for nothing, yep. can you? Um, another thing that uh, I'm seeing more and more, again, from usually the large companies uh, who can implement it on a wider scale is something called two-factor authentication. Uh, do you, you know what that is? Uh, yeah. yeah, so basically uh, this is a way of making sure, I mean, the clue's the name, it's authenticating you in two different ways. Yep. So one-factor authentication is just you're putting your password in. Uh, two-factor is they're checking uh, usually by a separate device or something like that that you are who you say you are. So the most common thing would be a text message confirmation or an email confirmation. That so it usually has a code in that you then have to enter on the device. And this that is exactly. a unique code that's just, just for it's, that login. Yeah. It's generated at that moment. It'll be time limited. So after a minute or 10 minutes or whatever, it'll expire so it can't be used again. And it's basically a way of saying, like, are you who you say you are? Well, if you are, you will have access to this mobile phone or this email account. Uh, and you can check that to then confirm you are the person logging in. You've probably used it all the time on uh, uh, banks, banking apps in particular. You yeah, use this exactly. uh, pretty religiously. Yeah, banks are very good at it. Uh, even you get if I set up a new payee on my on my account, I even get a text message which just says, "Did you just do this? If not, call yep. this number." Um, so yeah, that sort of thing is good. And you also get it on Apple devices. They, they've always had, well, for a good while now, had good two-factor authentication. If you try and sign into even like your iCloud account on a desktop you will get a six-digit code sent to your uh, device, whether that's like yep. an iPad or your iPhone, and you have to enter it. Um, so it can get you in a bit of a sticky situation sometimes if you want to access something and say your iPad's not here. Yep. You do have to wait to be in control I of mean, that device. Yeah, it can work against you because it obviously is less convenient, but actually living with that is is a better compromise oh, yeah, for sure. than for risking sure. your data. It's better so. than you hacking me and then putting my details into iCloud and then you getting all my info that way. Yeah. You'd much rather just wait a few hours and get the code right. That's it. So two-factor authentication is something we would recommend signing up for. And it, again, like Dom said, it's usually linked to your phone number, but it could be uh, another email address. That's another reason to use a temporary email address for yep. stuff like that because you can have two and use them to authenticate each other. And particularly if it's tied to a device, it just means someone getting your data isn't enough they also need to have the physical device to be able to access it. they need to have that device with your sim card in or uh, uh sometimes it's tied to an app installed on that particular device and that pops it up like a uh, for steam the pc gaming platform you know you have to use the steam guard app on that specific phone and it generates a timestamp code uh and if you don't yeah it, it basically ties your physical security and your data security together so that uh as long as you have control of your physical devices you still have control of your data which is really important and before we move on, it's also pretty good practice just to have a VPN running at some point anyway, because when you're using all these things, particularly like we said uh, in a previous episode, when you're using public Wi-Fi, yeah. uh, and there's it, no harm to encrypt what you're sending over, because if someone does get hold of it, at least they can't read it. Yeah, exactly. Because if you if you are on public Wi-Fi and you end up using one of those uh, logins where it isn't encrypted, then you never want to risk. There's no reason to risk it when you can just tap the connect button yeah. on your on your you know vpn out in fact some of them will will automatically connect when it's when it's using a, a wi-fi that network that it doesn't know or it detects is unsafe so you don't even have to think about it you may as well do it 
that's the whistle stop tour and it is quite a lot to take in and some of these terms are a little bit confusing to be honest two-factor authentication used to confuse me when i didn't know what was going on one of the things that i've personally used and uh, i think you guys have as well uh, is something called a password manager um so yeah it's basically an electronic form of what my mum was doing uh it, it is a but it's a secure online place of storing passwords whether that uh the best thing about it for me is whether that's passwords that you have created yourself or are also generated so I personally use one called One Password. I think you pay for it monthly, um, but it is a great service. And what it does, if I log into Facebook and I have that login, it saves the email address and the password. And the next time I go on any device, it works across uh, PC, Mac, iOS, and Android. That app will, when logged in, will autofill for you. You just have to authenticate yourself. So the reason I like using it on iOS is because either Touch ID or Face ID is very secure. Uh, it, you, you can't get past it with a picture or what have you of your face so if i come to a, a different device like i just uh, reviewed this ipad recently and i wasn't logged into some of my services including like ebay for example which i have a really long complicated password for and i just had to authenticate myself using the app which integrates with the keyboard in the device and then it logged me straight in and i was i was in and no one else could have got in because it was my thumbprint um have you had the same sort of experience with those password managers yeah, I have. Yeah. I mean, I, I was using a similar system to what your mum was using. Um, <laughs> and then I realized that that probably wasn't the best way of doing it. And yeah. I actually use LastPass. Um, and it's good. LastPass is free. Uh, it works across all devices. So like you say, you know, your phone and your tablet. And um, if you get a new one, it's very easy because you just install LastPass. And then you put your one password in, which is your, your really secure password. Yeah, you the do only, have to remember a master password. You have to remember <laughs> one password. But as long as you can remember one, which is pretty easy that's why it's called one password that's right <laughs> and that means uh you can then have very strong passwords for all your other accounts mm -hmm. you know those long complicated things with upper and lower case uh letters numbers symbols all that kind of stuff uh, and and those password managers often will generate those for you and some of them can even update your existing account so where you've used the same sort of insecure password on some accounts you can use those password managers to update those details to a much stronger password. Yeah. Okay, so that kind of answers my question. So as someone who's uh, <laughs> very bad and doesn't use a password manager and has never used a password manager and I just have this like library of passwords in my head, uh, how much of a faff is it to set one up? Like how, how long will it take if you already have this mess of different passwords in different sites, you want to sign up for a password manager? Mm. Like is that an afternoon's work changing everything over? It, it is a little bit of work, again something for nothing doesn't exist so when i first downloaded it you do have to log it asks you to log in and if you're on the site and it's already sometimes google autofills things right um which is another thing uh the, the google uses to when you go back to a website chrome remembers where you've been mm -hmm. and it will autofill your password for you um on the password manager you do have to teach it it won't just know so the first time right. you log into something when you have it you have to enter your details and usually it's automated so if you go to a new website and put it in it will prompt you to save it I would say that as long as you don't want to sort everything out in one afternoon, just wait until you log into those sites. And then, as Henry yeah. said, it will prompt you to, like, do you want to save this login? Yeah. And then so really it is automated. You don't have to enter any details manually. The only thing you might want to do is to just put in a, a, a friendly name for that service if if the website address is slightly strange. Yeah. Right. OK. And also bear in mind that 
it doesn't necessarily those password managers are better in my experience on ios it's a mm. i've just actually moved to an android phone and i found that LastPass can be a bit clunky and it certainly isn't yeah. as nice to use it's because yeah in ios i really think it's connected to the fact that all iphones and ipads act the same so the touch id or the face id thing is always the same yeah. whereas when you have iphones it uh, it doesn't know whether or not you've got a fingerprint sensor which that phone doesn't have uh, right. or if you're using some sort of face id or more likely maybe even like a pattern or a password so yep. it is a bit more fragmented on android but these apps do all work uh, for that as well there um, is one other sort of android uh and, and sort of google halfway house if you're not quite ready to commit to a full password manager um is chrome now does have a built-in password generator in addition to the autofill it will yes. sometimes you might see if you're signing up for an account using chrome uh, when you go to the password field it'll say like google or you know suggests this password it's a you know string of lowercase and uppercase letters and numbers um again that means you're putting all your eggs in the google basket um but yeah that if you can't if you don't want to have this whole separate account with a password manager and if you want something that's going to work nicely with the android and google ecosystem that is a sort of halfway step to using a proper password manager so if you're sitting comfy with dom in his google basket then that is an option um but yeah, just depends how comfortable you are doing I'm that. I'm so embedded in the Google ecosystem, I'm stuck there. <laughs> yeah, he's rooted. But that's not a bad thing, like he says. Uh, and it's good to see a major company providing that kind of service and recognizing that um, it needs to help us improve our practices in that way. Um, before we round up, uh, Dom actually showed me a website the other day that I'd never heard of. Uh, yeah, so this is basically, a lot of what we talked about so far is how to avoid having your data compromised. Uh, the, the bad news I've got for you is that, realistically speaking, your data has already been compromised. And even if you think it hasn't, it has. Uh, there have been so many major hacks of uh, huge sites, MyFitnessPal, LinkedIn, uh, Last.fm, Facebook. Like Your data has been lost by someone at some point, almost certainly. Uh, and there's a website called haveibeenpwned.com. Uh, pwned is an old gamer term. Uh, and basically, you, you feed your email address in, and it will tell you if that email address has popped up in any of the major hacks that have then had all the data being shared online. So it's a way for you to find out if your data's already been lost. It will tell you which hack your email address was found in, uh, roughly when that hack was. So you can sort of look, okay, in that hack, they probably got my email, my password, and my home address, or something like that. It also means with that bit of time information, you might be able to look and say, oh, I know I've changed my password since then anyway. That password's gone already, so I don't have to worry about that. Uh, there's also a notification system, so you can uh, give however been pwned your email address and then it will email you the next time that email pops up in a leak yeah we'll link to that website down below um, and it's, it is interesting and it also it, it reminds you not only that yes you have been compromised in the past which is bad but also that you, if this does happen like if, if there is a hack usually all you have to do is change your password quickly yeah and then you're done because without that nobody can access anything right that's right Sweet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And your password manager, if you use one, can offer to do that for you. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. That was a, a bit of a run through on uh, how to control your online data. Definitely get a password manager if you haven't got one. Use VPN and just be sensible. Don't give away data that you're uncomfortable giving away. I've actually got one final tip for you. Bring and it that home, is Jim. If you know, one of the things that you really don't want to risk online is the is your financial data. Yep. So wherever yep. possible, pay with a service that doesn't directly access your 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 credit card details. Right. So yep. PayPal, yep. those kind of things. Use those. Um, potentially another sort of prepay thing uh, like Monzo. Does that work the same sort of way? Monzo is a separate bank account. It is a separate bank account. But yeah, but you could sort of have 
specific funds you set aside in Monzo that aren't tied to your main bank account. And yeah. going back to the original email address thing, set up a, a bank account for specifically for online purchases and yep. never put too much money in it. So then you can't lose too much. Yeah, that, that's great advice. And Monzo is a good example of that. And the PayPal point is a great one to end on as well because it just puts that extra app and uh, yep. level of security between you and someone trying to steal your stuff. And the same with using uh, Apple Pay and Google Pay. If you're paying for something through an app on your phone, you can often yeah. now just select to use Apple Pay or Google Pay. Again, you're putting yourself in that specific bit of security. Loves a basket, does our dumb. If you trust them, if you trust Apple's like biometric security, if you trust Google, then like it, they've already got your financial info. It saves you giving that info to another person. Dom, Jim, thanks a lot. Thank you for watching this episode of Digital Defenders, and we'll see you in the next one. Cheers.